You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today we're going to be joined by one of the A's top scouts, Neil Avent. Now, he's been involved in uh, scouting and signing a number of the A's uh, top prospects, guys like Austin Beck and Parker Dunshe, Sky Bolt and Daniel Gossett, not to mention Chad Pinder and Sean Doolittle. And he's going to be talking with us a, a little bit today about his career in baseball, as well as his current role as the uh, North and South Carolina area scout for the A's. And we'll also be getting his insights on some of the players he's scouted, as, as well as talking a little bit about this year's draft as well. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Neil. Thank you, Bill. Well, you've definitely been involved in bringing a number of uh, well-known names into the A's uh, system in recent years. And I think you've been scouting for the A's for about 13 or 14 years now, if I'm correct. But I wanted to start out by finding out how, how did you first get into scouting for the A's and how long have you been working for the A's? Well, I started scouting. Uh, I came on board in 2005 uh, in December. Uh, so 2006 was my first draft. And I got started, I guess, basically by luck. I was uh, Michael Holmes, who is uh, now the scouting director with the San Francisco Giants and I are very good friends. Uh, he was the area scout for uh, Oakland at the time uh, in 2004 and 2005, and he was promoted to a cross-checking position, and uh, he passed my name on to Eric uh, Kubota, and uh, I had an opportunity to move from college athletics where I was had coached for 14 years at UNC Greensboro and had spent 2004 and 2005 actually as a an assistant athletic director there. And when Michael was promoted to that cross-checking spot, uh, a position opened up, you know, for the area scout. And uh, fortunately for me, uh, I had a you know a, a, someone in my corner that recommended me. And got the opportunity to come on board with Oakland, and I've I've been with them for this is I guess my 14th draft this past year. Yeah, it seems to me like a lot of the area scouts I talked to, uh, you know, worked in in uh, in the college game in the area before they ended up getting into scouting. So they really knew the area and knew the territory, and uh, you know, had been used to recruiting, you know, in the college game as well. But you know, it's interesting. A lot of people aren't aware how, how it all works. You know, the te- teams have area scouts that are responsible for different areas. Right now, you're responsible for North Carolina, South Carolina. Basically, your job to keep an eye on every guy with a with a bat or a ball in his hands in, in that area. And 
you know, but it's not just a matter, as you well know, of, of going to games and writing reports and sending in your reports. It's also a matter of, of getting to know these players and developing relationships, not just with them, but, but with their families as well. And, and, and also, most, most importantly, f- figuring out what it's actually going to take to sign them if, if the team does end up drafting them, right? Right. Well, I, I think one of the, I guess one of the advantages, a lot of the scouts that had previously coached or been involved in the college game, whether it be as a, a recruiting coordinator or, you know, as an assistant coach in some form or fashion, uh, you're used to uh, working with the kids, uh, going into homes and speaking with parents, uh, you know, whatever that might be, trying to present, you know, a lot of different you know, scenarios for the kids. You know, these kids are 18 years old, and uh, when you go in to talk to a high school uh, player and talk with their parents, uh, the conversation is a little different than it is when you're talking with a college junior uh, who is looking for an opportunity to go out and play professionally. Uh, but I think the, the the guys that have had the opportunity to work in collegiate athletics – uh, I think one of the things that works well for us is that we have been on both sides of it. We've been on the amateur side. We've been on the professional side. So we, we know a little bit about both, uh, probably enough to be dangerous. Uh, but but you, you're able to give good information to the families and to the young men. And and I think that helps us a great deal. And and my job is, is really to, to, to have a pulse on on the area to know the players, uh, working with the coaching staffs of, of different colleges, uh, knowing the high school coaches. Uh, those are big pieces when you're trying to pick the, the players that you want to really target. Uh, it's just, it's, I guess it's just like anything else. If you're interviewing someone for a job, the more information that you get, references or whatnot, and that's what we get from these college coaches about their players or the high school coaches about the high school kids. Uh, and then, of course, you get an opportunity to go and you know, meet with the family or meet with the young man. Uh, and we spend a lot of time trying to, to make sure that we have uh, not only good players but good people. Uh, the, the athletic ability goes without, you know, without stand, you know notwithstanding, you're certainly going to try to find – good people and uh, people that have some aptitude to be able to get better, you know, as they progress through the minor league system. Yeah. It's not just a matter of evaluating talent. It's a matter of evaluating personalities and, and also establishing uh, relationships. Now we just had uh, the draft the first week of June here this year. And I know, you know, it's such a huge thing for each organization every year, the amateur draft. Can you talk a little bit about, that process leading up to the draft, the days, the weeks, the month leading up to, to the amateur draft from your point of view? Actually, the draft for 2019 uh, probably started a few days after the draft in 2018. <laughs> uh, once, you're, once you sign the, the, the class, that group of kids from the, the 2018 draft, you have an awful lot of events that you're going go, you know, to go to during the summer. Uh, for high school events to see the better high school players in the country. Uh, and then you're going to have uh, summer league coverage for, 
you know, the better college players, you go into different leagues, whether you're talking about the, the Cape Cod League or the Coastal Plain League or the Northwoods League. Uh, some of these leagues during the summer have, uh, you know, bring in, you know, the, the, the better, you know, talented kids from the college ranks, and you get an opportunity to see those kids swing wood, uh, play against good competition. Uh, so throughout the summer, uh, you're going to, to evaluate those uh, those kids, you know, all the way up and through to the fall. And that is done by not only, you know, the area scouts, but the cross checkers and, you know, our whole scouting department. I mean, Eric's put together a, a very, very good scouting department. And, and we, I feel like a lot of the success, you know, certainly that we have had is, is due in large part to everyone. It's not just the area guys, but those checkers, and, and the higher-ups and, and Eric and, and all those people have done a fantastic job of, of getting us uh, ready as we go through the summer and into the fall. Uh, our charges during the fall for an area guy is to we go to scout days. Uh, these colleges will have scout days during the fall to, to give us an opportunity to come in and evaluate these kids, run a 60 or take batting practice. It's, it's kind of a day for the – for those players to, to kind of show what they are uh, from a physical standpoint. And then after that, you, you, you target some, some players and then you go back and you meet with those kids all the way during the winter, uh, the winter months, you'll spend time trying to set up uh, player meetings uh, so that you can get to know those kids a little bit better. And then the spring starts and that's kind of when the fun starts <laughs> when you start evaluating games. So uh, and the tough part is, is just trying to, to budget your time, set up a schedule so that you're able to target and, and get to see the better players more often, you know, and, and uh, try to create matchups and, and have, a, have a schedule set up so that you're able to make, you know, get the best bang for your buck and, and, and trying to get on the road and see as many people as possible. And, but it leads all the way up until – you know, we get close to, to May and, and then once, you know, you've had the opportunity to really speak your mind about the better, you know, the higher up players, you have cross checkers that come in and that, that they kind of look at the cream of the crop group, uh, your, your higher drafts. And so you have cross checkers and special assistants that come in and, and, and pick those guys off and so that we get as many looks as possible at those kids. And, um, and then we get into the draft and then you have to assess signability and, you know, what, you know, certainly for high school kids, I mean, you know, a lot of kids from a high school standpoint, you know, they have college options and, and it's going to, you're going to pay quite a bit for a lot of the, the, those kids to forego that. And then with the, you know, the college juniors or, or in this case, I mean, it's gotten to the point where we draft a lot of college seniors in the top 10 rounds as well now, but the, uh, but just trying to assess, you know, what it's going to take to sign them. Every kid has their own, has set up their own parameters, you know, what they want to do. They have the option to go back to school with their juniors, and uh, but most of them end up signing, and they, you know, they have the, you know, the, the ambition to go out and, you know, their their wishes to play professionally and and make it to the big leagues, and and uh, when you're, you know, you're just trying to kind of sift through all that as much as you can and uh, leading up into the draft. 
Well, this year's draft is particularly interesting because you have the top two picks for the A's. Logan Davidson and Tyler Baum were both guys that you'd scouted. And uh, you also had three of the top 10 picks if you throw in uh, Colin Palouse there as, as, as well. So it was quite a quite a good draft draft for you. Well, it's, it, a lot of people, you know, when you get that, it's, I think a lot of that's luck. You know, certainly we go out and you, as a scout, you love to sign players. I think that's the neat part about being an area scout uh, is actually signing the players and getting to know the families and the kids uh, very well. Uh, Logan is actually, I'm from Charlotte. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Logan was a North, a North Carolina kid. He lived in Charlotte. I've seen him since he was a high schooler. And then, of course, he went on to Clemson and has had a nice career, you know, at Clemson. And But I've seen him, you know, progress for a number of years. And uh, so it was very neat to be able to to uh, to be associated with that and to be fortunate enough that, that Logan was there when we, uh, when we were picking at pick 29. Now, Tyler... Tyler Baum is, is, is a very talented young man, uh, was a Florida kid, uh, went to the University of North Carolina, had an outstanding career there, and um, was somebody that I really liked. Uh, we, we had a lot of good looks at him during the course of the spring, and he pitched very well in the ACC tournament. And um, so we felt very fortunate to get him. Uh, and then with Colin – in the ninth round, I, I'm, I'm a Wake Forest graduate, so and I played at Wake <laughs> Forest. Uh, so I have a soft spot for those Wake guys. But, but Colin is a, is a physical kid. He's, a, he's got uh, some arm strength and has some upside. Had two very good years as a freshman and a sophomore. And was somebody that, that we were very pleased to get, you know, in the ninth round and think that he's got a, a bright future ahead of him as well. So... <laughs> But it's it's very it's it's all luck though. I, I say that because it just the picks just happen to fall on you, and you know there's your know, your job is to evaluate them, but sometimes they don't get to you, or sometimes you pass over and go and they take someone else because there's a lot of good players out there. Um, I just happen to be very. I'm in an area where there's a lot of lot of schools, and 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 I do tend to. You know, you, there are a lot of young men that are drafted out of the colleges in this area, the Carolinas, Virginia. Uh, so um, it's just it, it happens every year. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. <laughs> uh, well, you definitely got lucky this year. That That's for sure. But, you know, over the years, you know, it's true. There is a lot of talent comes out of that area. And there have been a lot of um, top picks that the A's have had out of the Carolinas. Another guy that you scouted a couple of years ago. Yeah, his top pick in 2017, uh, Austin Beck. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how long you, you followed him and watched him and what you really saw in Austin Beck that jumped out at you? Uh, Austin was, is a, a extremely talented young man. Uh, he's um, lived, I don't know, probably about an hour up the road in Lexington from where I, I am. And I got a chance to see him a lot as a junior and, of course, as a senior. Uh, his junior year was the year that at the end of his season, he uh, uh, hurt his knee. Um, and so because of that, he missed a lot of the summer and the fall things that a lot of the other high schoolers were afforded the opportunity uh, to uh, compete in. So he was a little bit different in terms of, you know, being a, um, 
a circuit kid, what we call high school circuit guys that have been to a number of the different showcase type events. Uh, he did not get that opportunity. So as the spring started, you know, he was somebody that was beginning to get a lot of interest early on in the spring. And you could tell that as the spring progressed, uh, he gained more and more momentum. Uh, but he is somebody that has an awful lot of attributes that are that are very, very uh, intriguing. Uh, he's strong. He's got an outstanding bat speed, and and uh, he he can run. He can throw. He can defend. Uh, a lot of the things that he does would attract anyone. Uh, we just happen to be picking it in a part of the draft where you were able to get someone with that type of skill set, and you know hopefully he's going to be able to to continue to get better and, and hone those skills and, and, and develop into a, to a major league player. He certainly has those type of skills. And, um, and it's just for a high school kid, it's just a little bit different than it is a lot of times for a college player, just because, you know, they, they haven't faced that type of competition uh, that a lot of the college kids have faced. And so it's an adjustment period for those guys. Uh, he went out. I know he, um, as, as a as a rookie, when he was in the Arizona League, you know he had he, he scuffled a little bit. And then he went out, uh, had an outstanding year in Beloit, hit almost 300 uh, last summer, and um, you know he's in Stockton this year, and he uh, has has really had. You know, I know he's he's on the IL right now, but uh, but he is he is. He's continued to progress, I think. Uh, and a lot of that's, like I said, just maturity. As they get older, uh, develop a little bit. They learn a little bit about the process. Uh, I used to always tell the kids, even when I was coaching, just remain process-oriented, stay less result-oriented. Uh, so I tell every kid I sign that, just stay on, stay on track, stay focused. There are no shortcuts to the major leagues. Um you want to get there, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do all the things cross the T's and dot the I's and, and do it better than everybody else. And, and, uh, just stay focused and stay, you know, concentrate on the process. The results will come. Well, another, so, uh, another one of your got chance to do that. Another one of your, uh, guys from that draft in the top 10, uh, that same year is, uh, Parker Dunshee, who's moved pretty rapidly through the A system. He's pitching at triple A right now. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you saw in Parker Dunshee, uh there a couple of years ago. Parker, Parker is another weight guy. Let me throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Parker, Parker is uh, an extremely talented uh, young man. He's, a, he's an outstanding athlete, uh, had a very, very good career at Wake Forest, actually finished school there, came out as a senior. Uh, I believe the Cubs had drafted him as a junior. Uh, he elected to go back to school to finish. Uh, so when when we were able to, to, to select him in the seventh round that year, what we knew we were getting was a, a very, very good athlete who was polished, uh, a strike thrower, uh, who was able to, uh, to, to show a good mix and, uh, and get outs. And that's kind of what he's done since he's, he's come into the organization. Uh, at every level, I'm not going to completely blow you away with tight the stuff, 
but he's going to wear you down. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's going to throw fastball strikes. He's got a good breaking ball and, and he's continuing to work on a changeup. And, uh, I think as he continues to mature, I mean, as a, as a pitcher and learning, you know, what his strengths and weaknesses are, uh, I think he's, he's got a chance to, to, to go out and be successful. Uh, but he's been a very, very pleasant surprise for us. But, you know, for most pitchers, you, you tell them, you know, throw strikes. you got to be able to throw strikes. And uh, throw strikes with your fastball, he can do that. Um, and he's, like I said, he's athletic and he has a great deal of aptitude. So you put all those pieces together, I think that really helps those guys. Well, I know the draft before that, the 2016, they, the A's took a lot of your guys, too. Guys like Tyler Ramirez, Nate Mondu, Matt Milburn, Will Gilbert, even Eli White, who's no longer in the organization. But in the 2015 draft, um, the A's took one of your guys uh, who A's fans have gotten to know a little bit better recently, and that's Sky Bolt. Now, I know he was always considered a guy with a lot of tools in college, but he didn't he didn't always hit the way people would think. I think he had a batting average in the 250s uh, in, in college. But what did you see in Sky Bolt that, that made you feel, you know, strongly that this was a potential major leaguer? Well, Sky's, uh, Sky's an interesting kid. He's, um, you know, was a switch hitter, and he is uh, – he is extremely athletic. Um, he is, he's, he's, uh, one of those kids that you will see on a given day and you'll shake your head and you'll go, wow, that is unbelievable. Uh, and then some days you would see him and he would struggle a little bit. Uh, and I think he did a lot of that, uh, not only at Chapel Hill, but he did it, you know, as he first started, you know, in our organization and, and, it was a matter for him uh, of just, you know, learning how to eliminate peaks and valleys. Uh, I think he's done a lot more of that over the last year and a half. And uh, but he is a good kid. He he works at it, uh, and I think this this is a, a, a young man that has has matured a great deal for a college player. And he had an outstanding freshman year when he came to college out of high school. His freshman year at, at, at North Carolina was was outstanding, and then his sophomore and junior year uh, were not quite like his freshman year. But he showed you things, whether it be his arm strength or his or his or his power uh, or his running ability or you know some of those things. They would show up on a given day, and you'd come out of there going, "Wow, this kid's really got some mobility." And as he got started. And he, that I think it was a year and a half ago, two years ago, I guess, was when he went from Stockton to Midland and really struggled to start the year. And they sent him back to Stockton. Uh, and that is a very humbling experience to go backwards once you come up and go go the other way. Uh, and And he reacted in a positive manner. He made some adjustments in Stockton. Finished the year well, started the year last year, goes to Midland, plays well, has an outstanding year. Then, you know, the kind of the rest is, you know, kind of history with him. But he has really, he really righted the ship. And that's, like I said, that's, that's humbling to go backwards. And uh, he could have reacted uh, in, in a way that, that kind of left him there. Uh, but he took it as a challenge and he, and he made some adjustments and, and, and has done very, very well. You know, over the last 
couple of years. Yeah, no, he definitely rose to the, to the occasion once he encountered that setback, that's for sure. Now, I know in the 2014 draft, the A's uh, took uh, took another one of your guys that you'd scouted and signed. That was Daniel Gossett. Uh, he's been injured, but he'll he'll be back before long. But before that, I know you, you also, when you were covering the uh, Virginia Territory as well, uh, that, that you'd scouted and signed uh, Chad Pender and uh, Sean Doolittle uh, back when he was uh, first baseman as well. Tell me a little bit about those two guys. Doolittle was was the 2007 draft, I believe. Um, that was my second year, and um, I uh, and I tell everybody I signed I signed Sean as a as a first baseman, and um, that tells you how how I can scout. <laughs> um, but he 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 did pitch a little bit for for UVA. Uh, he was a weekend st- uh, starter for them. And I did actually write a report on him as a pitcher as well. But taking him that year, we took him as a first baseman, and he was extremely talented as a as a hitter. And he was a very very good defender at first base, and he could swing the bat. And he progressed very you know rapidly. I mean, he did well all the way through uh, until you know he ran into a couple of. Uh, issues you know, injury wise and and I know that we got to a point where you know we had some injuries and we weren't sure what was going to happen with him and they decided to put him on the mound you know our player development people knew that he had pitched and I remember that that particular year that he threw his last he threw the last day I believe it was of the Arizona it was, it was in the Arizona League and uh, because he was there rehabbing, and and uh, I remember them saying that you know this guy was throwing up some velocity, and you know I just remember the next year that was the year that he you know went to Stockton, pitched like a handful of innings. They moved him to Double A, pitched a handful, went to Sacramento, threw a few innings, and next thing you know he was in the big leagues, um, and it happened fairly quickly. Yeah, but Sean is, a, is, is Sean is a, a great, great story, you know, someone that really kind of just, you know, turned himself into a really an elite uh, reliever uh, in, 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 major, in the major leagues. So after going, you know, really having, he probably would have made it as a hitter, uh, given the track that he was on. And, uh, but he is, he's a, he's a great person. And somebody that I still keep up with and and keep in contact with, uh, even you know though he's not with Oakland anymore, and uh, and but has done well with with Washington. Now Chad Pender is is one of my favorites. Um, he is he is uh, not only a great great baseball player, he's probably one of the best people I've ever met. Good family, athletic family. His dad was a baseball guy, and uh, his brother plays in the Cardinals organization played at Clemson, and uh, so I, I'd seen a lot of him as well. But Chad was an outstanding player. Played some third base, shortstop at Virginia Tech. I had the ability uh, to move around the field a little bit. You could play any infield position. Uh, swung the bat well. <clears throat> just did a lot of things. Just did a lot of things well. And it's kind of ironic that that's what he is now. Uh, he is a uh, one of those guys that I know that they can plug in and put in the various different positions and 
and he can play you know, infield, outfield. Uh, he's got he's got power, uh, and he's he's uh, an A number one teammate. You know, if you ask any of those guys in that Oakland clubhouse, I know that you know those guys are, think a lot of Chad Pender, uh, and that's just the type of player he is. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, as I mentioned, there's a lot of familiar names that you've helped uh, shepherd into the uh, the A system over the uh, the recent years. That's for sure. One last thing I wanted to ask you about: uh, as a scout, you know, you're out there every day, you know, with your eyeballs on these guys, evaluating their 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 raw talents, their raw tools, and you're working for an organization, the A's, obviously well known for the whole Moneyball thing. Uh, I guess you joined the organization probably just a couple of years after the, the book came out. But, you know, it's an organization well known for the, the Moneyball thing and, you know, a heavy reliance on analytics. What what do you feel about that relationship between the sort of old school scouting, the, the sort of new school analytics and how those things interrelate in, in what you guys are trying to do in terms of evaluating talent? Well, I think the from the standpoint of evaluating kids, you know, in so much the old school way, I think we still do that. You go out, you go and watch these kids play, and you evaluate the tools. And but I think you know with the the advanced you know knowledge that we have with with using the analytics, our, our the folks in our I know in our organization we have people in that office that that work tirelessly uh, and do an outstanding job of of trying to put together uh, lists of players that stand out for one particular thing or another. And, uh, I think it's, a uh, it's, it's an extra tool to be able to grade these players out with, you know, and, and I think it's good to have, uh, I still think that, you know, uh, laying your eyeballs on a player is, is, is a, is a good way to try to assess what that talent is, or if that young man would fit into your organization, or if you feel like he's got, major league ability. I remember when I first started working with Oakland, the charge that we were told what we were, they asked us to do is go out and find major league players or people that had major league value. And so as a scout, that's what you're constantly trying to do and strive to do. When you have people in the office that can find information that might be helpful to the scouts, I think that is, uh, I think we yeah, I think it's very important. And uh, so I think there's a, it will continue. We will continue to work together uh, to make it work for, for us to make the organizations, you know, continue to bring in good players. Uh, but like I said, I think our people do a fantastic job, you know, in the office and, and trying to get us hey, to, to think outside the box a little bit. Hey, what about this guy? You know, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, so I think that really helps us out a great deal. It's, uh, but I do think it's a good piece to have. And, but like I said, I still believe in the, the, the old school part of it. I, I love being able to be at the park, you know, to be able to watch a game, to watch kids interact in the dugout, to watch the way they go about their business. And that's scouting. I think that's scouting. Yeah, well, I think in recent years the A's have definitely done a done a pretty good job of integrating the two of uh, really taking the the hands-on eyes-on scouting end of it and and the analytics and really trying to to meld them to come up with the best possible uh, possible approach. Absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Neil. It's been great getting your, your take and your insights uh, uh, as a guy who's really out there uh, beating the bushes and bringing uh, lots of uh, uh, raw young talent into the ACE system. Uh, it's good to get your take on things. Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of the A's Farm Podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on all the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.